drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked up by the line, coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30, at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, touchdown to Trumbier, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, what's going on? It is Wednesday, we are talking Detroit Lions football right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Tons to get into today, we're closer to football, less than a month away from the season opener in the NFL. Man, things are getting crazy, I sure hope that we get NFL football, we'll talk about lots of other things that are going on in the world, but we gotta introduce the man of the moment, Grifka. Grifka, what's going on buddy? Hey man, I'm doing good. Doing good. Everything's, uh, you know, moving at a uh, kind of like almost feels like a snail's pace right now. You know, a little's coming in here and there about training camps, but uh, still uh, wondering what, what's going to happen with the season. Griffey, you know that's a double bell for the beginning. I just couldn't get to it in time, so let me make that right. <laughs> um, like you say, let's uh, – Griffka, We I got a lot on my mind here, so let's start out with some news and notes. We've got – We've got the cuts. The Lions said they're going to stay at 90. They want to do the split squad. They were going to give everybody a chance. Everybody, you know, had earned an opportunity. I mean, would that last like a week? And then they, they go ahead and cut eight to 10 guys over this past weekend. I mean, a lot of them were the same people me and you were talking about that. Hey, it doesn't really matter if you could just move on from these guys at any point, it wouldn't make a difference. Um, there's still some stiffs on the roster that I don't understand why they're there, but the big ones that caught me were like Travis Fulgham being gone. I don't, I don't feel like he ever really got an opportunity here. I mean, it's a six round pick, but still, and, uh, you know, a few other players that, that, that left. Anybody else jump out to you with those cuts? No, not really. Like you said, when I saw those cuts, it wasn't anybody I was expecting to really contribute or, you know, doing the, uh, you know, I don't want to say help, you know, for lack of a better term, but really help the Lions this year. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't I don't know what's going on with the, with the roster. I mean, I, they're at 80. They needed to get there, I guess, to be able to do this full team meeting that happened on Sunday. And, you know, I was looking at it. I thought they started maybe some on-field on the 15th, but it doesn't look like it's the 17th. So they just have a week, I guess, now of 80 guys, but it still sounds like they're bringing them in in stages, you know, I don't know, 25 at a time, somewhere in that range. I think they talked about having four teams of players. So odd time. I mean, like I say, there's still obvious guys, in my opinion, that will either be gone or be relegated to the practice squad when it's all said and done but just kind of working through the roster like that Grifka I've I've been busy today when we're recording well give me the lowdown on the on college football I know this is a Lions podcast but what is going on did the Big Ten actually pull the plug I I think they did Uh, what are you thinking about all this well, yes, the pig that the Big Ten did pull the plug for the fall. They're maybe hoping to get it, you know, playing in the spring. I'm not for sure what the schedule will look like there. If it's going to be the one that they uh, similar to the one that they 
released a few weeks ago. I know, was it uh, Nebraska? They're out kind of shooting their mouth off, saying that uh, they're they're looking to still play in the fall, maybe like leave the conference, go play in another conference that may be open. I heard Penn State was thinking about doing that as well. If that's the case, you know, sayonara, get lost. Don't need your sorry butts anyways. So what? <laughs> um, SEC, they're still, they were supposed to be talking about it. Pac-12, they were supposed to be talking about it as well. I, I don't know what they have, have come to. Uh, so we know a lot of the smaller conferences, including the MAC, they already canceled off all sports. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty disappointing, you know, no Saturday football in the fall. But I guess it's uh, where we're at right now. Griffco, it sounds like you think Nebraska is not that. Uh... Yeah, they're not that great, anyways. With their junk, co- their junk coach Scott Frost, who, you know, when he coached at you know Central Florida, Central Florida went up to Michigan, and Michigan beat the crap out of them. But then in the post game interviews, like we out hit them. Yeah, okay, you guys lost by like thirty five. So I think in the second half when. Michigan's backups were in there and they were just trying to get their feet underneath them. Yeah, maybe you're out hitting them, but you obviously got knocked out in the first half, Scott Frost. Scott Frost, the same junk quarterback on that 97 team that was like, uh, we would have beat Michigan in the national championship game. We would have played them. Yeah, you guys ran a basic option and Michigan's defense was killer and they faced a whole lot of their offenses than a basic option. Not to mention, you know, you guys had to sneak away with some junk game at the University of Missouri when your player kicked the ball up in the air and some other guy dove in, which is an illegal play, but since it was the you know, the big 12 and the Nebraska is a huge part of it. The refs weren't going to say anything there. So yeah, whatever Scott Frost, you're a joke. <laughs> Griffco, who oh, do sorry, you hate? This is Lions football. So you can scrap that if you want. <laughs> oh no, we're keeping that. Griffco, who, who do you hate more? Scott Frost or Aaron Rodgers? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Definitely. He's more smug. <laughs> Scott, at least Aaron Rodgers, at least, you know, he's won something so he can be a little smug. So even though he plays for a team where his team gets all the calls because the trophy's named after the coach. But <laughs> Scott Frost is, like, living on some glory back from, like, black shirt defenses. Blah, blah. Get out of there, man. You <laughs> joke. Grifka, like, I often joke on the show how I uh, I put in the work, man. I'm behind the scenes trying to do things to better the show. So I'm trying to listen to as many podcasts and much stuff as I can. And, uh the Daniel Jeremiah Bucky Brooks podcast, Move the Sticks. Uh, good show. I mean, I always like the content. Bucky Brooks's voice. I mean, <laughs> anybody that's heard it, I mean, his voice is pretty unbearable as well as his laugh. I mean, it's hard to get through those. I wish I had a mute button when he starts to laugh on the show. But uh, get this, man. They talked about a couple things, which, like I say, we won't uh, spend a ton of time on college, but I want people to hear this. If they didn't hear the podcast, I suggest you go check it out. But uh, we'll, we'll get to Lions football. We're going to talk about the coordinators here in a moment. Uh, got some things to say about them, how Matt Pat's going to kind of work with those guys here in year three. And then I got a little surprise for Grifka at the end of the show, a little a little draft on its way. Me versus Grifka. Everybody's got to stay tuned for that. But uh, so Grifka on the Move the Stick show, they're talking with Joel Klatt, you know, talking about all this craziness of college football. Will there be games? Will there be not? And towards the end, man, they had some incredible ideas. I mean, I know me and you had one of the epic arguments about spring college football where you couldn't be bothered because you're out on your boat or out of the park or whatever else you made some excuse you couldn't be bothered with one three-hour Michigan football game if it was in the spring yet in the fall it was perfectly good but listen to this (laughs) these guys said what if you play in the spring but you only make it four their their ideas were four to six games 
and and all you do is play the big dogs. You know, all all Michigan would play is their biggest rivals. So all the biggest games that everybody wants to see, you you bit you make it so it's so crazy matchups that you're gonna make up all that TV revenue only on four games because everybody's gonna want to watch all these. I mean, we're talking all the top rivalries across the country between the big schools, and then you and then you have like a they had like some you know grandiose championship everybody meets at the end it sounded like the greatest idea ever to me to shrink the season so that you only play four to six games within that spring window that way you can like still be ready for whatever the next season is going to be but have these incredible games that we all want to see I I thought it was a great idea what do you think (laughs) that sounds pretty cool it really does like every week I mean it's just you know where's ESPN going to have their game day at but uh Here's, I guess my question is, you know, uh, what do you do with like the little guys? Like, who's really going to care to watch Indiana Purdue besides people who went to Indiana and Purdue? Who cares? <laughs> who's going to want to watch Northwestern Illinois? You know, besides who, the people who went to Northwestern and Illinois. <laughs> who cares? No, we're talking about who, who's no. going to want. Who's going to want to watch Michigan State play anybody? I mean, really, who cares about Michigan State? Hey, uh, no. <laughs> so this was the other caveat that I thought was hilarious. So they said, not only do you play the biggest games. Um, against the biggest teams but you know if COVID is bad like in Florida per se then you just have like you know Miami travel to like Notre Dame to play or something if, if it's better there so you kind of you figure out where the good locations are you even play some of these on a neutral site and then <laughs> one of the other greatest just random brainstorms ever I think it was Daniel Jeremiah said and here's what you do on 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 TV, you set up a draft and you have all the networks sitting at, at separate tables and you allow them to have a legit draft for each game where the first pick, we select <laughs> Michigan, Ohio State on Fox. And then ESPN has to come to the podium and take their game. And you just do that for however many rounds it would be like just the, you know, it'd be just the three, four weeks of the top games. So you're looking at what, 30, 40 games there that you'd have to deal with. Like I thought, man, neutral sites, big, big stadium. The the bad part is you still can have fans, but you just make it a TV event and you just have the biggest matchups that everybody wants to see in college football. You shrink the season so that everybody can stay healthy. You still give us our football. We just have to wait for six to eight months. And it's like no other season we'll ever have. I thought, I thought it was great. It got me all fired up saying, Let's do even if they put it on pay per view. I swear I'd buy some of the games on pay per view if they did that. See, what also would be cool about that is if you could actually like drag like Alabama out of the South once in a while and actually bring them up maybe to like a semi cold weather. You know, so it's like right. you do neutral site. Like, okay, Alabama's going to take on you know Notre Dame or whoever. Well, let's have it at Lambeau Field or something like that. Uh, how cool saying. would that be? Or like it, Alabama takes on Penn State and you play the game at. Uh, you know, Yankee Stadium or something like that, you know. They might actually have to come up somewhere where it, you know, drops below 50 degrees. <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah, that's what he said. He said it's such a crazy year, you just throw all the normals out the window. Like, you don't have to play all these other bum schools. All you do is play, you know, your main rival, three other big games that everybody wants to see in, in cool places, like you're saying. And then you maybe decide a champion based on some, like, you know, short 
short two round championship round, depending on how everybody works out. I, I don't know. They didn't have all the details, but I was like, uh, let's just do something like that. Uh, you know, that would still appease everybody. I think instead of, you know, no season or, Hey, let's, let's rush it, put everybody at risk. Let's, let's try to play a full season in the spring. That makes no sense with the other things that the NFL and whatnot has to go on. So we'll see what happens, but I wanted to throw that at you because you were so down on the other idea with spring football, but I feel like that's a, that's a slam dunk. That's not that hard to figure out. That still gives the players what they want, which is they want to play. They want to have an opportunity to showcase uh, on the top people. I mean, like you say, these lower level schools, I don't think anybody cares that, you know, D2, D3, even the lower D1 schools are like, Hey, we just don't feel comfortable playing. Fine. Don't play. We're going to take the biggest and the best and put them up against each other. And just the, the ultimate tournament here in 2020. Yeah, that that would be pretty freaking cool. Because <laughs> then you can't say like, "Well, we need to put you know, like, oh, we need to put like Florida in a school down south because they their fans travel well. There ain't gonna be no fans there anyway, so who cares? <laughs> Throw exactly. you wherever we want. Put you on exactly. Bozeman, Montana, if we feel like it. Exactly. It. Who cares? Just just a little bubble action and play some football. Griffco, you want to know what Frank Ribble thinks about this idea? Yeah, I'm interested in what Frank Frank thinks. Frank Ribble returned to Twitter, too. Sometimes you'll see him at 1 a.m. popping out tweets, but he's been back on Twitter a little bit. But I, if, if I had to gauge his reaction about this idea, I think it'd be something like this. Wow! 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 <laughs> I agree, Frank. Wow, that's what I thought when I heard it. But, uh, Grifka, that, that's enough college. I wanted to give people a little bit of that because we love college football. That's a huge topic right now. Not totally sure what's going to happen. Not quite for sure, as you might say, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So um, how about we get into some Lions stuff here? Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, everybody, stay tuned for the back half of the show. Me versus Grifka in a 10-round draft. We'll give you more details after the break. But uh, before we do that, Grifka, let's talk. One of my favorite things occurred recently, and you know what that is. That's the... That's the coordinators of the Detroit Lions step into the podium for some uh, some incredible coach speak and some things they had to say. So want to cover that in general and get some of your thoughts. So Corey Unling Grifka stepped to the podium. No, he was not wearing a Tupac shirt or a Biggie shirt like he did the first day showing up to camp. I mean, did you catch this? This picture that was out, like, I saw it in one of the videos, and I'm like, dude's got a Tupac shirt on. I'm like, I got to tweet that out. That's awesome. And then Eric Schlitt beat me to it. But did you see this? I mean, I know you're active on Twitter at, uh, what would that be, Grifka? Where where can people find you? Oh, really? I mean, I say it all the time, but just in case, if you're new to it, it's <laughs> at Grifka DKC. <laughs> Did you did you see this on Twitter? Your perusing of Twitter yet? Uh, you put out a few tweets here recently, but I still don't see many amazing things coming from the Grifka Twitter sphere. But did you see the Tupac shirt on Corey Unling? What'd you think? Yeah, that's that's instant uh, street cred right there. So uh, yeah, I really liked it. <laughs> that's what I thought. It was like, man, the players have to love that. And like, the more I listen to this guy, I just wrote down here on my little note. Seems cool, but in a, like a weird way. Like he, he seems like a cool old dude with this gray beard, but he's kind of like hip to everything. But he's also like people ask him questions and he just has some very odd responses or odd delivery. I don't know what it is, but I I, I do think he's still the good cop where he's going to be cool with the players. He's going to have this new vibe. Obviously, who couldn't have a new vibe compared to Pascaloni? I mean, <laughs> that, 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 that guy ain't wearing no Tupac shirt. 
Let me tell you that right now. But uh, <laughs> like, I mean, he's got to be better than that, both on and off the field. But uh, and what are your general thoughts about this guy? I think I mean I think from his first con- um, press conference he had a while ago, he's looking forward to working with Matt Patricia. And once again, he requote he quoted again saying that uh, him and Matt Patricia are working well together. I think that's the big thing. I know we've discussed it. We both kind of think, you know, Corey Unlin's going to be the, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, kind of the figurehead. And Matt Pat's still going to run the defense. He's going to be real hands-on with it. But still, if uh, Unlin realizes that, and, you know, he's going to be able to work in certain positions that need it, you know, DB or, or linebacker or something like that, um, I'm pretty happy, you know, that, that he's here. And he knows, I guess, for lack of a better term, he knows his role. Grifka, I hate to do this because this is your, normally your bit on the show, but I got some concerns still. I mean, I wrote down here, I think he's a player's coach with fire. But my, my issue is, as cool as he wants to be, as good as he wants to be with Matt Pat, as 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 much as he's you know done coaching at different levels, different schemes, this guy's never called a defensive play or never been in the fire as a defensive coordinator Ever. I don't even think he's ever been above cornerbacks coach. I mean, that that gives me some concern because the guy we'll get to here in a minute, Daryl Bevel, the reason I think Bev has been so good is because instead of like putting training wheels on JBC or, you know, having these other guys in that have never called an offensive play call, Daryl Bevel has a track record. So, you know, that's got to worry you that this guy's never been a DC anywhere. He's never been in that spotlight. It doesn't matter to me if Matt Pat is calling the plays or not. There's something to having that role, knowing how to scheme things up, how how to run a meeting. I mean, that worries me a little bit. So my big question, you can respond to that, is will this work? Will this defense be better? Will Unling be a good DC here? It'll be the next guy that, hey, seemed cool at the start. Then he, he made some mistakes in games. You you saw the holes. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're getting sliced up on defense. What do you think? I think the defense is going to be better simply because there's better players here than what we had last year and ones that know the system. And, I mean, you're pretty happy. It seems they've cleaned out the malcontents as opposed to trying to, you know, wrangle them in and bring them around to say, Hey, this is, this is how we're doing it now, you know? So, uh, you know, be here with us. I, I think it doesn't matter if he's never called a defensive play before, or if he's never been above a DB's coach. I mean, that's how guys start out. They, they, they get out there and they get promoted that way. If they're really good at a certain position, that's where they get promoted to coordinators and stuff like that. I still think if Matt Pat's the one calling all the defense anyways, and he's just a figurehead there to, I'm not saying pat the guys on the back, you know, make sure they're in the right position. I don't see him doing the defensive play calls. It's still going to be Matt Pat. So even if he's never called the defensive play for you, I don't think it's really going to matter at this point. Oh my goodness. I'm shocked of your take there. I think that it's a, it's a big thing to consider. I also think, uh, you know, let's move to Daryl Bevel. Like, well, he's, I wrote down, he's just so comfortable and he just seems so, you know, knows what he's talking about. He's very smooth. And the reason is the guy's done this at a lot, at a very high level at at different stops for many years. I mean, that makes a difference. Your first few days of the job, even if you somewhat have done the job, which Corey Unling hasn't, 
you're still a little jittery. You're still not sure of yourself and not quite for sure of yourself, however you want to put it, Grifka. And it's like, Daryl Bevel's damn sure of himself. He knows what he's doing and he feels good about it. So I, when Daryl Bevel steps to the podium, I thought, man, this guy is sharp. He knows his stuff. He's just uh, a guy we can put our trust in. We figured that out last year. And a guy that, I mean, I feel like finally the Lions have always been looking for that next coordinator or bringing in that washed-up coordinator. I mean, I like Daryl Bevel as the guy that's not washed up by any means in regards to age or the vibe he gives off. But he's definitely not that guy that's never done it. You know, oh, I hope he's good. I hope he can call the right plays. I mean, he proved last year pretty dang quick that he's got an offense that works. He's got a mind that knows how to, you know, do it when he's got the healthy weapons ready to go. And I feel like that's going to continue. What what do you think about Bevel heading into year two here? I'm still really happy with him. I know a lot of people might point back to like what happened in Seattle. It's like, well, he was good. Then all of a sudden that offense became bad. And I'll reiterate what I said before. The problem was out in Seattle was they wanted to really run the ball a lot to make that play action effective. And that offensive line was just utterly terrible. So whenever the play action was ran, nobody really bid on it because they knew that run game was terrible. And so I think that's really cost them more in Seattle, but what he's able to do here, I mean, this, I, the offensive line, I know I bag on it a lot, and you have concerns about it. I still think it was better than what he had his last couple of years out in Seattle. And not, that's, I mean, it's not major steps improvement, but it's still better. So what he likes to do on offense is a, it, it's a, it's a real plus for Detroit. And with Matt Patricia not really worrying about it, you know, he wants to be more of the defensive, you know, focus on the defense. You know, Daryl Bevel, I don't say I don't want to say he has free reign to do whatever he wants. I mean, he still has to put the game plan through Matt Patricia. I'm sure he probably put some input in on it, but he can't he can't go out there and, you know, run those uh trick plays and, you know, chuck the ball down the field because he worked with Seattle and it worked here last year when Stafford was quarterback. And even at points where Stafford wasn't the quarterback, uh, we saw a few games where those uh that um those uh deep ball plays with the play action really worked with uh the lesser quarterbacks that the Lions were throwing out there. Yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, what what can come. I also think in this year where there was no OTAs, no offseason, that it gives us – it does give us a leg up on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I, I think it's still a wait and see on the – I've been promoting, yeah, I do think there's more versatile, more scheme-specific players, but it's all going to come down to health, and it's also going to – you know, Patricia does need to show us something in regards to his defense because he doesn't have many pro bowlers on that team. He doesn't have much pass rush. Right here as we're recording, Griff guy just got a little alert on my phone. I mean, Mike Daniels went and signed with Cincy for $3 million. So, I mean, we all know how that worked out last year, but there's another interior big nasty beast that we can't add to this team. So, I still feel like there's questions there. We're on the offensive side of the ball. I feel like we just need to crank up the juice even more in regards to, you know, chucking it. I've got here kind of like, you know, run first. I think there'll be a little more run first. Um, I was going to kind of take some audio clips, but people can go listen to what both these guys had to say. Usually on YouTube is where I like to check it out. 
um, you can you can go to the Lions app or website, but um, give give a listen to what these guys say. I know Daryl Bevel did say, you know, he likes everything about DeAndre Swift, but he needs to see him out on the grass. You know, we still have another week until these guys will actually get out there and probably even longer than that until they'll actually put on a set of pads and get out on the football field. So I, I think we'll be more run first. I I put, you know, and chuck it deep. I, I do think the deep deep ball passing as well as the play action game was something we have needed for years here. So I'm excited to see that. But overall, I just felt a lot more comfortable with Daryl Bevel. Not only his answers, the way he answered, the way he conducts himself, almost seems like a guy that would be a, a nice head coach type candidate to some degree, but might be one of those guys where he's just a really good coordinator in the right situation. And, um, you know, we'll see what he brings. Did you hear what he had to say about uh, Kenny Gall today? Uh, no, I did not. To me, that was the big thing. And we've got in some back and forth here on the show about his contract. You know, you just want to pay him whatever. And I feel like there's a, a breaking point. I even got into that with Benny Blades on the Believe in Lions podcast. Benny, of course, a former player. He just thinks he's got unlimited funds to use. And I had to tell, set him straight that, you, you know, if you go pay Kenny 18, 19, $20 million, you're paying him as a top three receiver. He's not there yet. So we've, we've done that. We've been there. But Daryl Bevel said he's trying to get Kenny to a, a Michael Thomas, you know, Odell Beckham, you know, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, some of these guys that you have to come in and deal with from a game plan perspective, as well as everybody knows he's getting the football. It doesn't matter. You know, uh, he can just out beast everybody. And he felt like he's on his way, but he definitely said he's he's not there at this point. And I thought that was that was a perfect take on the guy. Like he's a great football player. He's got better every year. He has everything you look for in a wide receiver, but that's the reason I'm wanting to pay him 15 some million dollars is because he's a top 12 top eight at best type of receiver. And that's the kind of money those guys get. They don't, they don't break the market, even though the market will continue to go up in my opinion. So are you there with my bevel echoes my take on Kenny like great player but will he get to that next level I'm I'm curious to see because he continues to get better but can he be one of the top five guys in the whole league at the position I mean I'm a little hesitant on that well if the coach wants to get him up to the up there this is kind of what we always you know talk about how you know you can accumulate all this talent but there's still only one ball. So for him to get up to that top five, you're going to have to put up, you know, top five numbers. And that's where it's like, everybody's like, well, if you get two great wide receivers, well, both great wide receivers want the ball and then you want to run the ball as well. So it means guys like, you know, Marvin's not going to get the ball as much. And, you know, Hawkinson, who you said, they didn't use him enough last year. And the running backs, what the numbers you're looking for them to put up, that's going to take chances away from them to get, you know, Kenny up to that top five wide receiver because at that point you're just looking at stats you're not you're not really saying well he runs a great routes he's a great blocker blah 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 all that garbage you're just you, you have to feed him the ball then so if he's looking to get him up there to be paid that way other guys on the team may not get the ball as much as they would like as well so I'm happy with it you know because um, we both think you know Kenny Galladay can be something special but that may affect what you're, what you would like to do with Hawkinson or your running back, you know, because we both think Johnson Swift can be, you know, a pretty dangerous tandem. Yeah, I, 
I still always have a beef with your your sharing of the ball. It's like a big thing that you bring up a lot on the show. And I feel like, you know, it's not a stats thing to me. Like, I don't need Kenny Galladay to catch 13, 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns to then pay him. Uh, it's not a, it's not his stats as much as just, do you but have to come in? That's and... what they'll bring up, though. That's what, the, that's what the team will bring up. I mean, in his aging, it'll be like, well, you know, well, he does all this stuff that's really great. But they're going to be like, well, you want to get paid like, you know, Michael Thomas and, you know, and all these other guys. But look at their numbers. And you don't have those numbers. That's that's just the way finance is. And that's the way that's the way management looks at it. And that's that's not management. That's the way management, not only sports, that's like in any business. You know, it's like, well, look what you did. You saved the company X amount of dollars. Well, you know, well, you, you didn't do that. But, you know, I show up for work every day. You know, I do good stuff, you know, but how are you helping us? You know, put it down on paper, you know, stuff like that. So you can say you can be humble and not want the ball and you can spread it all around. But if you're getting numbers that are all like, well, they only put you top 15. That's the first thing management's going to look at. Well, your number is as good as the number 15. That's where we're going to pay you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going back to contract only. I'm going to the Daryl Bevel. Like he wants to see Kenny Galladay reach that next level as a as a football player where he's unguardable. You you have to game plan around him as a defense that has really nothing to do with numbers. That's just straight up. You know, what is your ultimate level as a ball player? And that means, yeah, you know, Kenny has these big games and he's put together two good seasons here of, of, of good stats and good production. But I still don't think the last couple of years teams have come in and only had to worry about him or think that he's this optimal player in the league. He's just a rising receiver that has good physical traits and whatnot. So I would much rather see him be that dominant force and, and a guy that is just feared by defenses than a guy that has, has numbers only or, or, or has forced the football. I mean, you can be a dominant force and a number one and still have lackluster numbers and your team can still do well because yeah, then they got to spread the ball around, but you're still a feared player in the league. So I thought Daryl Bevel said, Hey, I'm waiting for him to take that final step. And I think he can. And I think that we think he can, but you know, it's all going to come down to the contract at the end of the day, but also, you know, what is Kenny Galladay's ceiling? Is is he a number one in Detroit or is he a, a top five in the whole league? That's the argument I've been having for a while. And I think he's a top 10, top 12 type guy in the league and a rising receiver. The guy's 27, 28 years old too. He's not 24. So, you know, that's got to be considered too. You start handing out a four or five year contract. He's in that, you know, early thirties, you know, where's his cutoff point as a receiver in regards to his, his career age as well. So lots to think about, but Daryl Bevel seemed positive. He seemed like he wants to get him there. We'll see how they use him and see what happens. So I'm excited about that. Um, Griffka, before we take our commercial break, just we talked about both coordinators. We hit on some news and notes. Get, give me a little bit just on Matt Pat in year three. I mean, he's going to have to work with both these guys. You wanted to basically fire him last year. Everybody's been down on him. They think he can't coach. I think he's had a tremendous offseason again with his smiling, funny interviews, kind person interviews that he's been doing. I think he obviously knows football from a tactical perspective based on his previous track record. What do you think? What's your confidence level heading into your three? I mean, what do you think this guy can do? Can he turn it all around with a few W's? Where are you at with him? Um, let's put it this way. I know this is one of those things we've talked about. I just mentioned it earlier. You can hit the bell, how they seem to have cleaned out the locker room of all the guys that didn't want to be there. 
and he's brought guys in that have played for him. They know the system. They know what he coaches like. And now it seems like everybody's on board. So, yeah, this year, if, if that's what we were waiting for, the old, you know, adage, well, wait for him to get his guys. Okay, he has his guys. You know, that, that's what it is. And this isn't recruiting high school players to bring in guys who want all that. It's, it, it is football. You still have to get the uh, free agents to come here and get the guys who are, that want to be here, you know, buying into your system. So, yeah, I believe he has his guys. So if this is another one of those, you know, seasons, you know, we're talking like five wins, six wins. I don't think that's going to work. Me and you have both discussed it. It seems like they have much better talent on on paper than what they did last year. So, yeah, I'm gonna this. You know, this is it. This is kind of your make or break with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know stand back, guarded. I'm still wondering if he can be a great head coach that we're looking for. But you have your team here. You know, this is these are your guys. They're used to your type of coaching. So. This is okay. Now you have to go prove it. If you're trotting out five, six wins and the two of those are like nail biter squeakers, that's, I'm not going to fly with that. And, you know, there's other games where you're getting your teeth kicked in, you know, and your defense looks like, you know, Swiss cheese again. No, no dice, you know, see you later. (laughs) Yeah, I, I agree with most of what you said, surprisingly, but I, I think it's tough to, you know, he's been rebuilding and sort of reshaping things for two years and you're, everybody's going to make his third year the end-all be-all in this crazy environment that we're in. I, I feel like, you know, I want him to play better. I think they almost can, uh, they can't do worse than what we saw last year based on injuries and just not having people to, to cover and rush the passer, you know, whatever the issue was on defense. Um, not having your starting quarterback is basically like, you know, your season's over anyway. So I'm high, I'm holding them to a high standard this year while also saying, man, it's hard for me to to kill a guy in a year where he had no offseason, very truncated training camp, and like you said, lots of new bodies coming in. I mean, if, if Jamie Collins doesn't, you know, shock the world in year one, but maybe in year two, he could be really good on this team or same with Deron Harmon or, you know, Jeff Okuda. I mean, I think these guys could be really dynamic in 2021 with a full off season and be ready. Whereas in 2020, it's like if you just fire the coach and bring in new everybody here because we only won six, seven games. I feel like that's when you'd want to be like, hey, let's give this another year. Let's get back to normalcy here in the world and in the NFL and and then let's judge it. But you know, I know a lot of people are, this is it. I'm much more in the camp of, I agree with you. He has his guys. I think the culture's right. I think he has players on both sides of the football that can help him win. He doesn't have any superstars or pro bowlers, which could come back to bite him in the end. And they've still continued to just ignore pass rush. Um, so that could get him as well. But I think you need to give him this year and next year, in, unless things go completely south and you win just no football games, which I can't see happening. Or You know what I mean? Very little games, you know, in that four or less you know, I think people are going to be out with the pitchforks, but I think that um, I'm excited to see. I think I'm excited to see how he works with Unling. That's a big question mark for me. Bevel, I think, can just do what he does on offense. And Matt Pat has his team. Let's go. I'm, I'm excited about it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Crazy to think less than 30 days till that first game on Thursday night. And then the Lions will play the Bears that Sunday. And... Away we go, hoping that we can get through a season, hoping that you don't know what's around the corner next. But so far, so good in the NFL in regards to what they've done up to this point. We'll see what happens. So, 
Grifka, what do we do about this time in the show? This is where we uh, take a pause for the cause, pay a couple bills. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll go ahead and do that. Everybody, we come back. Me versus Grifka, 10-person draft. We're taking Detroit Lions on offense and defense. Who can build the best team? We'll put this out on Twitter, but we'll have a bunch of fun with it. We'll do that right after the break. We'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers are back from the break. Thank you so much for listening to our sponsors. It is time Griffco, hold on. You know what time it is. Woo! It's time for a draft, Griffco. I've been missing it since April. Oh, baby. But let me pull this music down and give you the, the 411 on what we're doing here before I just obliterate you in this draft, Griffco. We are doing a 10-person okay. Detroit Lions draft. And that means you got to take five offense... Five defense. We're not taking a quarterback. Matt Star- Stafford is off the board, and we're gonna see who can build that ultimate Lions squad. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do you the ultimate favor and just give you the number one pick because I think you need help in this situation. Uh, you can select first, and uh, I don't know. Let me see. I, th- I think I have a. Uh, do I have the pick in soundbite? Maybe I don't. I don't have it. So, so how do we the- do this? Is it is it just back and forth, me, you, me, you? Just just back and forth. I don't want to do a double pick and get all confused or make it more confusing than it needs. I can beat you gotcha. back and forth in this. So, Griffco, with the first selection in the De- Detroit Kool-Aid DKC Lions draft, who you got? Gosh, I will take... I will take Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins is your first selection. I'm writing mm-hmm. it down. Very shocked by that pick. It blows me away. So with the Oakry first pick, number two overall, I can't believe he's still on the board. Give me the guy we just mentioned before the break, Kenny Galladay. <laughs> I can't believe he's okay. still there. <laughs> really? Yeah, that was well, a you slam don't want to pick. He's the best you don't player want to pay on the him. team. I took, somebody, I took somebody that got paid, who wants to be on the <laughs> field, who wants to make plays and can do multiple things. You don't even trust that guy you took. You still want to see more from him, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got no chance got in this draft. Pick, okay. So, my turn, eh? Um, I will take with the, my second pick. I'm going to take him. I know it's going to sound hard for you to believe, but I'm going to take TJ Hawkinson. Oh, my goodness. This draft is off the rails, people. 
Grifka taking Jamie Collins and TJ Hawkinson with his first two picks, leaving me the guy that should have went number two overall in this draft. I'm getting him at four. Trey Flowers, Grifka. Give him to me. Woo-hoo-hoo. This draft is over already. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you got, a, you got a wide receiver you don't trust yet, and you got a, a defensive end who gets paid a whole lot. Okay. Griffin, cool, I have the that. best player non-quarterback on the Detroit Lions and Kenny Galladay, and I have our best defender who's making $18 million a year that can both stop the run me? and get the after most, the quarterback. I have the most versatile defender on the team. He can, <laughs> run, he can blitz the quarterback, and he can cover. You know, Flowers can't do that, okay? I'll take my linebacker over your defensive end any day of the week. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, what do you want out there? An outside linebacker that moves around or a rush end that's big and can play both run and pass? Let me know on Twitter, at Derek Oakry. Go ahead, Greg. Please please let me know. Yeah, yeah, let us know. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I get the third pick? Yep, sir. I can't wait for it. Okay. What'd you say? I'm going to pay for it? (laughs) I said I I can't wait for it. Oh, okay. I thought said you're going to pay for it. I'm like, okay. Not, not the way this okay. draft is going. I'll just wait for the great player to fall right in my lap. No problem, man. <laughs> I will. Um, with the third pick, I'll take another versatile defender who can do a couple things. And uh, I'm going to take uh, Tracy Walker. Oh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were off to such a bad start. He was going to fall to me. Tracy Walker would have been my next selection. Good pick by Griff. Could only took him three rounds to get there. Yep. Griffco, with my next pick in the Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Lions draft, which I'm dominating, by the way, give me the young fella. Give me a guy that I think will have a gold jacket when it's all said and done. Give me a lockdown corner for the Oakry squad. Give me Jeff Okuda. Oh, baby. Okay. Um... It's a good pick, but, you know, once again, prospects are suspects, so that's cool. Um... <laughs> Like your guy Jamie Collins who never played a down in this de- in in Detroit. You took first overall. Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? He knows the system. Well, I sure hope <laughs> he so. He knows the system. He knows the coach. <laughs> Take that guy in a second. Oh my gosh! The guy, the guy can do multiple things. No problem. Um, okay, so my turn. Um, let's see. Uh, say I went defense, offense, defense. Well, I'm gonna take take the guy who's. Uh, you know, like you said, could have a gold jacket. I'm going to take a Swift. I'm going to take a running back, Swift. He obviously oh works hard in the offseason. A lot harder than the other running back who's just out there posing with his hot girlfriend, which would carry on Johnson. <laughs> kudos, buddy. Kudos. <laughs> Hold on. I got to get to the grip cabal for kudos. Hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give it a double just because it's one of my faves. Oh, double for the kudos. And when you said gold jacket, I'm like, who's he talking about? <laughs> like, there ain't too many of those on the Detroit Lions, but you know I love me some DeAndre Swift. So I'm here in the fourth round. Let me let me think here I want, who I want to take. Hmm. Fourth round, I got two defensive and an offensive player. You took my tight end and my running back. So I think at this point, based on the current Lions roster, I'm going to have to take... You know, I like the young guys. I'm going to skew that way, and I think this guy has upside. I even watched a little bit of tape on him recently. It got me a little more excited about maybe what he can do. Give me Jelani Tavai, Grifka, fourth in the fourth round as my middle linebacker. Centerpiece of the defense can play all types of 
parts of the field and just think he has he has that dog in him, I think. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Took the poor man's Chris Spielman. I like that. It's a good <laughs> yep. pick. He's a little slow, but okay. Um, my pick, let's see. Um, well, you got one corner. I might as well take the other one. Uh, I'll take Trufant. Trufant for Grifka with his fifth overall selection. So, to even out my squad, I'm going to go back to the offensive side of the ball. And I can't believe he's still on the board, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to... A, little, a very productive receiver, a great Detroit citizen. His wife makes an incredible bunt cake. Give me Marvin Jones in the fifth round. Marvin Jones still got a couple, two to three good years left. I'm happy to add him here in the fifth round of my squad. Okay, so uh, what do I got? I got uh, three defenders and two offense, two offensive guys. Okay, man. You call us, you know, you're going to laugh at me. But we're going we're going the old Oakland Raiders offense here. We're talking Matt Bomb or Daryl LaMonica just throwing the ball up to the guy running down the field. So I'm taking what is it, Hall, the wide receiver. So he's just gonna run forty yard bombs all you know, fifty yards. So I'm taking him at wide receiver. We're not we're not going underneath. We're not running that crap. That's what Hawkinson will run. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Marvin Hall drafted. I I didn't. I thought he'd be a UDFA. I gotta admit, uh, it is a shocking pick by Grifka. Assuming who's still oh, on the Quintus board. Cephas? I mean, <laughs> give me a break. I already got some guy running underneath stuff. That's Hawkinson. I don't need another one. Grifka, I mean, why would I'm I do a, that? I need I'm somebody a, to spread the field. That's that guy. Oh, that's a that's a that's a very questionable pick to say though. That's a Kuiper pick if you ask me. Grifka, I pulled the music down so people can enjoy that's, the, that's the, the end of the draft. That's the smartest man in the room pick right there. <laughs> <laughs> Grifka, you've missed something huge in this draft, which doesn't surprise me. Um, f- five offense, five defense. We said, um, let me let me look at where you're at with that numbers. You have you have Green's three Green. defense. You have one, two, three offense. You have a very balanced squad at this point. Grifka, when I said offense and defense. That did not disqualify the offensive line. So give me Frank Ragnow in the sixth round to anchor my offensive line in the middle. Oh, Frankie boy, what a steal in the sixth. Yeah, I thought I would grab him last, actually. I didn't think you would do that, but okay. Um, He's the next closest thing we have to a pro bowler, Griff, just so you know. Yeah, well, I know it ain't the other guys, so I might. I, I just might not have anybody blocking. It's gonna look like a backyard football game, you know, with like <laughs> nobody blocking at all, and people just running routes. Oh, um, boy. So I, I might be doing that. Since <laughs> let's see, so um, I'm three and three. You said, um, let's see, let me get there. Well, let's do this. You took flowers. Let's see, do I put that much stock in them or do ah? I'm going to go with the guy who's a little more versatile. You know, I'm going to go with Sean Hand. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah, that was my next pick. Good good pick by you. I should have probably taken him a round or two earlier, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, let's see. I, I'm Can't, I was the... a, if I would have known that you weren't even interested in Hall, I would have done that. I would have took now. so, but, you know, <laughs> I, I should have thought of that, you know, after you took Marvin. So, okay, that's my bad. <laughs> oh, you want to make a trade right now? You can have, uh, you can have Marvin for Deshaun Hand. You want to make that happen? No, nah, I'm good with what I got. Oh, damn. All right. Uh, seventh round. Uh, gosh, I, I've got the same as well. Three and three. Gosh, I think this is another just 
slam dunk. I mean, uh, can't believe he's he's still on the board at this point. I mean, give me give me the vet. Give me a guy that I'm really excited about for the Detroit Lions. Give me Deron Harmon back there playing the Glover Quinn role, the single high. Um, very happy to add a safety to my squad here in the seventh round that uh, I have no worries about. I think it's going to be a really good player here for at least two to three years. Uh, happy to add him to the Oakry squad. Okay. So let's see here. So we got to dig deep, Grifka. This is testing your metal no, right know. here. What I'm going to do. Jesse James is still on the board. The outlaw. I know. Yeah. yeah. I know you love tight ends. I know you love paying him $7 million. Might as well take yeah, him. Yeah, so is Isaac Nada. So big time. Huge on that. So, But, uh, you know, once again, you know, I, I got a guy who can spread the field with Hall. All he does is run, all he does is run the go route. So he's just a. He's just a poor man, DK Metcalf. So who cares? Um, TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'll go on a limb, and I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Carry On Johnson. Carry On lasting till the eighth. That is surprising. That's a that's another good pick by Grifka. I gotta admit, he was uh, also on my list, but I uh, I went to the the old vet instead. And why not go back to the well again? Maybe with an old vet. I mean. If you're just going to give me offensive production here in the eighth round, I might as well take it, considering other people are off the board. Give me, give me the crafty, the the gritty, the grimy vet in Danny Amendola in the eighth round. <laughs> give him to me. Okay. So this is what the ninth round. So I can get one more pick on offense and one more pick on defense. Um, looks like a Trufant Walker. Hand do a bunch of different things. Gosh, like give me uh, I'll go uh, Julian Aquara as my last pick on defense. Julian Aquara, Grifka playing the upside game. I mean, he rags on prospects every show that we have, yet he's taken multiple. Uh, his whole team is basically prospects in this draft. Very surprising, yep. very hypocritical if you ask me, but uh, a good selection <laughs> also. <laughs> All right, so I'm up in the ninth round. I'm looking at my squad. I've got a, I got a guy in the middle of my defense, Johnny Tavai. I've got a center of my offense uh, up in the front line of Frankie Ragnow. I've got Jeff Okuda, Flowers, Galladay, a um, couple old vets that I like. Hmm. Let's see here. Let's let's see what I want to do. You you know what sounds right in the ninth round, Grifko. You, you know you know what I think might fit this squad. What's that? Eh, hold on. I, I might wait on him. Let, let, let me think about this for a second. All right. So I got. Well, remember, I only got I only got one offensive pick left. So. You have one offense, and I'm looking at my squad, and I think I do as well. I got I got four defenders. And and four offense, yeah, four offensive guys as well. So so you're down to just offense. Yep. So you need that, a tight end, man. Jesse James, come on. I do not have a tight end, which is surprising for my squad. You've taken both running backs. I've got the receivers. Grifka, let me just let me just do this for you again. 
I, I know you're like going for all the fancy weapons. You know, you, you think you're going to do it with, with Marvin Hall and, and some of the other guys you've taken. Griffco, one of the most impactful positions on a football team is what? The left tackle. Go ahead and give me a very established, a very productive, a very uh, just guy you can count on most days of the week. Sure, he's going to get beat from time to time, but I'm willing to put him out there and and feel good about it most every Sunday. Griffka, give me Taylor Decker as as a good left tackle for my football team. Like, you can't go wrong there with Deck in the ninth round. Am I right? You could always go wrong with Taylor Decker, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> you knew I wasn't going to take – you thought I was going to take Taylor Decker. You're like, oh, I'm going to take Taylor. He needs an offensive lineman. Okay. I don't know. I just – there's no – were my choices to go with a good offensive lineman or that waste of space, $7 million, just paperweight named Jesse James? <laughs> Those are my options. Breaks Breakout year from the other. <laughs> okay. So, um, I mean, you're talking offense, man. I mean, I'm going to go, uh, gosh, I go off the board here. You wouldn't even see this one coming. <laughs> We're talking offense. You know, this, you know, this guy's, you know, uh, gosh, I don't want to do it because you, you, you probably throw the flag and say no. Please, please but, take your uh, boy, Ty Johnson, just for the people. No, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> well, you love you him. He's supposed, to be our, supposed to, he's supposed to be our second, second running back, you said, head into this year. Now he's like sixth. Nah, man, he's a he's ahead of Bo Scarborough. Um, <laughs> Go check the archives, everybody. The man love Griffka has for Ty Johnson. Now he's he's pack yeah. pedaling. Oh yeah, I got can yeah, I can drag a jeep and a pair of uh, <laughs> shoulder pads and a and a helmet. Um, gosh, last pick. I don't know if you let me get away with this one, even though I want to take him. Gosh, no, I won't, because he whine about it and cry about <laughs> it. So you just need a defender, anyways. So I'll leave it out there because you because you argue you know special teams isn't a third of the game. <laughs> so uh, fuck, I'm taking I'm taking I'm taking Prater. We need somebody to kick the ball through the uprights. So right there, Air Force rules this whole thing, man. Prater gets us the points right there. Right, that that's better that... than your better than your two stagnant offensive linemen that can't do anything for you. <laughs> oh I'm my talking goodness. Air Force rules, chuck the ball around when you get down there, you just kick the ball through the uprights. <laughs> We're going to look like Australian rules football on this team. Prater is a sneaky pick there in, in, in the 10th round. He's, he's the, the fans love him. He, he does his job, no doubt about it. Uh, they were probably more impactful guys you could have taken, though. Um, could have taken a big swing on, on Huntley. You could have taken your boy Ty. You could have taken Cephas. Instead, you go for the kicker. Okay, you know, I, I see Grifka in fantasy football. He's drafting his kicker in the fifth round. I get it. Um, yep. Exactly. So, so you can take so, the punter if you want, whoever that's going to be. I know you're missing Sam Martin right now, so. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm down to a defender, and there's obviously lots of options that I that I that I like. There's many a name that come to mind. I I, I don't want to fully disappoint the people and not at least mention this name, but it's not going to be the selection. I'm not going to take Jared Davis with this pick, yet I am on record of saying that. I think everything could click, and this guy could be a, an absolute beast this season for the Detroit Lions. I'm also not going to take everybody else's favorite here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. You know who that is. A-O. 
Oh, baby. I'm not going to take I, him I either. I almost took him. I really thought about <laughs> taking him as my last defender. I really did. I did as well, but I mostly because I wanted to get the sound bite in. But now that I've done that, uh, accomplished that as well. Um, you know, my guy, Will Harris, who, Griff, I don't know if you know, but there's this thing called Instagram, which I recently started to help promote our show and other things that I'm up to, like the Believe in Lions podcast with Benny Blades I put out on IG today. Don't forget about Will Harris. I think he can still be a good football player, but Will Harris is not going to be my selection as well. With my 10th round final selection, I'm going to take a guy that's making $9 million as a slot corner. This is a guy that came in last year, started off really well, fell off, then played really well. I think he's solidified in his role. I'm happy to add him and Okuda as my two uh, guys to cover people. Go ahead and give me Justin Coleman here in the 10th round. A very good football player. He's young. He can he can play the slot, which is really important. I'm excited about that pick here to end my draft, Grifka. So let's let's go ahead and recap it for the people. Do you want me to read off your team, or do you want to uh, do you want to give them your selections? Nope. Uh, give it off because I know you you might want to comment on it. Okay. I'm going to read it off. I'll give a few comments. And then if Grifka wants to, to pump up his squad before you hear the winning squad announced, which is obviously team Oakry. So team Grifka with the number one pick overall on the Detroit lions draft, he takes Jamie Collins outside linebacker with his first pick. He then shocks the world and takes TJ Hawkinson number two in the third round. <laughs> he, he backs that up with a tremendous pick. I can't believe he stole this guy from me, but um, I wasn't going to take him before the third round, just based on the, the other two studs that I got. He got Tracy Walker in the third round and up and coming, hopefully pro bowl safety. He then came back and took the young buck, the guy that's got all the skills. We'll see if he gets the opportunities and see what his career develops. Grifka put him in the Hall of Fame already, which is just shocking as well. Another just incredible take that I never thought I'd hear on this show before he ever takes a snap for the Detroit Lions. He takes DeAndre Swift in the fifth round. Grifka takes True Font, cornerback. Sixth round, he ruins his draft by taking Marvin Hall, the spot-wide receiver, can only do one thing and then will be buried on the depth chart. He comes back in the seventh, though, and snipes my guy, Deshaun Hand. He then takes Carry On. I think we got a, we got a bit for that here somewhere. Carry On, my wayward son. <laughs> in the ninth, he takes another young buck that's ever done anything in the league that he's hanging his hat on. Julian O'Quara from Notre Dame, the edge rush outside linebacker. And then he ends it with old trusty and dusty Matt Prater. Grivko, what do you got to say about your team? I like my team. Um, you got uh, you have an okay team, but you got two offensive linemen that aren't going to do anything for you. You know, you're, you're only running five guys out there, and you got two offensive linemen. So, okay. <laughs> well, last time I checked, Grifko, offensive line is, is very important. It protects the quarterback. It's part of the run game, and they're good football players. So I, I, this wasn't the skill player draft. This was a Detroit Lions draft, five offense, five defense. So is that all you got to say about the squad you put together? I mean, you think they're really going to beat the Oakry squad on our Twitter poll that's going to go out? Yes. Yes, I do. Because <laughs> I can run the ball. And I got guys who can catch the ball. I mean, you, you can't run the ball, but you got guys who can block. So, okay. <laughs> and, and, and where 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 can they uh, 
find you on Twitter if they want to debate maybe some of the picks you made here. Like, I don't know, Jamie Collins, one overall, Hall in the sixth round. I mean, some of these shoddy picks you made here. You can find me at Grifka DKC. At Grifka DKC. <laughs> All right, so let's look at the Oakry squad. I mean, somehow Grifka left me with the second pick overall, Kenny Galladay, who we know, other than Stafford, is basically the best football player on the team, the most dynamic, as well as the uh, just the, the guy you want most if you're looking at the Detroit Lions squad. Then in the second round, so what, fourth overall, he leaves me our prized possession defender who not only got paid the most, but everybody wanted last year in the Detroit Lions uniform. Now Grifka acts like he's a cast off on this defense, which is not the case. Big old physical beast, Trey Flowers. So I feel like I got the best two players other than Stafford you could get, and we're heading into round three. Oh, then I just add, I don't know, the third pick overall, Jeff Okuda at cornerback. Fourth round, I took a little bit of a... Uh, a flyer on this guy just based on upside and what I think he can do for a defense. Again, we're basically building a mini team here. So I'm going to start in the middle of my defense with a signal caller. I went with Jelani Tavai. I could have went with Sean Hand there. might have been a good pick. I also could have went with DeAndre Swift. Um, I, I felt like Tavai was my pick so I could get a, a more established defense. I got three defenders I really like at that point. Fifth round. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. still on the board. I mean, again, I got the two top pass catchers. Griff acts like his offense is ready to roll just because he took the running backs. I got I got the two guys that produce on the Detroit Lions, um, and they have for the past two to three seasons. Sixth round, I'm going to go anchor my offensive line with Frank Ragnow. I mean, a guy that not only has got better and better every year, he's widely renowned in the league as a top, uh, you know, three center probably in football highly regarded by Grifka's favorite pro football focus and a guy that just totally just solidifies my offense I got I got two outside receivers and, and a center that can do some things sign me up seventh round I go take the Wiley vet the Duran Harmon back there to play my single high get me some turnovers that I need on defense Eighth round, because Grifka just totally ignored the position. I don't know why he thinks his offense is going to be incredible when he has no outside wide receivers. I go ahead and get myself the slot receiver as well. So people out there that are going to be voting, I have all three starting receivers on the Detroit Lions on my offense here. And I only got to pick five. So give me Danny Amendola. He's always reliable. He's gritty. He's going to be a leader in my locker room as well. So your offense is three wide receivers and two linemen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because it, just, I didn't. I just, I, I didn't everybody say, that's voting realize that he's got three wide receivers and two offensive linemen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're all the best players you'd want on the offense. You took a flyer on a on a rookie running back, T.J. Hawkinson, who we know is a good player, and then Carryon, who will probably be a backup running back before it's all said and done. So this wasn't this wasn't get a. Uh, and how are you banging on my team? Like, it's not well-rounded. You have two running backs, a tight end, and a, a nothing receiver, and a kicker. <laughs> People. I want, nothing. I want to say nothing receiver. He runs. Go, ch- go check his stats, man. Check oh, tape. my that guy gosh. Deep balls. You're trying to like argue said, Marvin Robert. Hall yeah. against you, Kenny Galladay? What are you not a kicker for? Kickers lead the team in scoring every year. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just what happens. Kickers lead every team in scoring. Oh that, that, that's what happens. So, uh, yeah, you're right. So this okay. is, this Once is why again, I, you only, you only got one ball to pass to all three of your wide receivers, but you know, 
Okay. No, no worries, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, your one ball theory drives me nuts. And also, this is what drives the me nuts, people. The one ball theory drives me I've nuts because it drives you nuts because it's correct. You can't put up numbers if you ain't getting the dang ball. And okay. you gotta, you gotta have people that know the roles. That's why you can't have. That's why you can't have two number one guys. It doesn't because they both want the ball. That's why a, the guy's got to know a, the roles. Just I a listen, horrible, I listen to Benny a horrible argument. You. I listen. I listen to Benny rip on you. Brutal. It's okay. Like he said, he, like Benny said, he didn't care about nobody else on that team. You're like, no, go get him the ball. I'll get paid. No, it don't work that way. <laughs> Management oh wants you to put up stats. There's only one ball, dude. Oh, this this is what I do. So people, with people agree with me. Find me on Twitter, or if you don't agree with me, find me on Twitter. That's okay. <laughs> please, please find Grifka on Twitter because this makes no sense. He's 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 justifying kickers, uh, rookie players, you know, uh, fourth, fifth receiver. When I have the one, two, and three receiver, and I've got a left tackle that's a beast and a center. Like these are the best players on the Detroit beast. Lions. You say you say he's a beast. Okay, let's just pump let's pump the brake on throwing dropping the word beast like an anvil there. Okay. Like I said, this, this, this wasn't the, the Detroit Lions fantasy draft. This was trying to get the best players on offense and defense for a team. And I've got Taylor Decker in the ninth round. I mean, are you kidding me? And then I go take Justin Coleman, a well-paid, productive, young slot corner as well. Oh, my goodness. People, go to at Derek well Oakley on right. Twitter. Well Vote on this poll. He was well-paid to have a very, very average year. <laughs> Yeah, and it's one season. He's signed here for, what, four four years, Griffka? I know you like to make your opinion after two games, especially when they're not good, but I've got Dude, players that I can hang my hat games, on. Yeah. You, you've got a bunch of flyers on your team and a bunch of people that you're hoping are good. And what do you tell me every day on the show? Oh, prospects are suspect till they do something. Your whole team is suspect then. Then you got you got a bunch – what, do you hang your hat on? Your kicker, your your – your like old kicker. cornerback. Yeah, I'm hanging my hat on a kicker. <laughs> your kicker, actually, your old way, corner. People, I think I think he's in a beer. Isn't he in a beer bet with like Denver's kicker? He's a I kicker. Mean, cool is that? He's a kicker. Are you kidding me? Like you'd rather have a kicker than a left tackle. You'd rather have a kicker than a than a center, dominant center. Get out of here. People well, let's not be throwing the word dominant around either. I mean, people just because you say it don't make it true. And once again, kickers lead the team in scoring. Look it up, people. This wasn't a. This wasn't a. Who can score the most points? This was who could make the best team out of ten picks. That's who puts up points. But it's not about points. It's about good football players. Fantasy. I'm thinking. I'm thinking fantasy wise. We didn't say fantasy. This was the. This was a Detroit Lions draft. Not a fantasy football. Who do I want on my team? Well, if that was team? good. Oh, my gosh. Let's, let's go take some mediocre offensive lineman because he's the best that we have. Because he's Detroit Lions good. He's not good NFL. He's Detroit Lions good. So, okay. Oh, oh my gosh. You, you just you missed the whole point of the exercise. People, I can't wait till people slice you up. Yeah, you got a couple good picks. I'm going to take – because I, I see the future, and I can see some of these guys being good. But based on right now, I mean, I've got five established guys on offense and probably – you know, three or four of the top defenders as well. While you're sitting there with a bunch of uh, maybes, of I four. hope so. Three of the four. Maybe. Oh, I mean, like, it's funny. You're going well, maybe, and you're hanging your hat on a rookie cornerback as as, <laughs> as one of your studs. Okay, man, I got gotcha. you. And then you bust on me for Jamie Collins. He's never played a down in the system, but you're you're all over like Deron Harmon's jock. Okay, man. It's just uh, okay. You can't have it both ways, buddy. People. <laughs> 
people, please, please get frustrated on on Jamie. Who would you rather have, Jamie Collins or Jeff Okuda? Like, I think that's a pretty slam dunk pick by the fan base there. I don't think you're going to get too many people. Oh, I'd love to have Jamie Collins first overall when you could get Jeff Okuda in the third round. Yeah, the, the, versatile line, the versatile linebacker who knows the system. Okay. Just because you the love linebackers. I guess the guy who's never played it down in the pros. <laughs> just okay, you, you're right, though. Just because you think linebackers at the end-all, be-all, corners and rush ends are what do it on defense, and I've got Okuda and Flowers, the only two guys that really matter on this defense, to be honest. Do you really think rush ends and cornerbacks are the be-all, end-all on defense? Cons- yes. if, considering this team doesn't do anything with their rush ends. I mean, they don't. They, the they don't put any is. stock in it. That's all the NFL is, defensive ends, ends and, and can you cover with, with top-level corners. Nobody nobody wants an aging outside linebacker if they have their pick of all three of those. We're talking for one year is what we were talking. We're not looking to establish crap. It, it I mean, we're like, one year we're like draft? the future. No, I thought we were talking like one year here. This was uh, a Detroit you know, Lions so yeah, draft. Who Jamie got the best Collins players? One year. I'll take no, Jamie you... Collins one year over a rookie cornerback. No, you okay. made it one year in your brain, and you made it a fantasy draft in your brain. It was a Detroit Lions draft. That's what you said. You. you said it's a fantasy draft. I didn't. Go back and watch the tape. Detroit Lions draft, me versus you, 10 of the best players who got the best. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the people say. Maybe they'll shock the world and go Team Grifka again like they did on one of those other polls just to just to frustrate me, but I, I don't think so. I think I got the well, better team. They did team. it just to frustrate you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> or once you, you again, had, people hit us up on Twitter. You had uh, all your relatives yeah. tweet out your to vote for Grifka because there's no way, there's no way you win any oh, of these polls. I've dusted you in what almost every poll we've ever done. I mean, uh, I think this is just going to yeah. add to the that's list. Cause, that's because you call up your friends. You, hey, you, vote you, for you, me on Twitter. My you, friends don't follow. Twitter. My friends aren't on Twitter. You let me it's get fine. Galladay, Flowers, and Okuda top three. I mean, come on now. Like, I mean, I think that just almost says it all right there. And then I just added depth and good players after that. Grifka, we could argue for days. We got to finish yeah, we, this show. It's a Wednesday. Yeah, we could. Just, just tip the we cap could, could, that I beat you again. We could argue the football season starts on this, and I'm okay with that. I beat you again. I'm the king of all drafts. Everybody knows this. And the Detroit Lions will be playing football in less than basically 30 days at this point. So the only question left on this show, on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, is simply this. Do you have anything else for the people? Uh, nope. Woo-hoo-hoo! Woo! That's a woo-hoo-hoo for my my draft, my fantasy team. That's a Grifka nope because he doesn't have anything to say after I smoked him again. Everybody, we'll be back here Friday talking all things Detroit Lions right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Back to back, start the play. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in.